You're listening to the Life in Christ Church podcast, your place for life-changing messages that will build your faith and propel your life. If you enjoyed today's message, why don't you be a blessing and share it with a friend? My desire today was really just, Lord, I want, I want to just let you flow. Of course, we always endeavor to let him flow. But there's different flows for different services, times where there needs to be a strong emphasis, you know, where we're digging into the word. You know, it doesn't, every service doesn't always look the same. We know that, right? We're following the Holy Spirit, and he'll take us to what is needed. But I really felt like today he was wanting to strengthen his people, you, to bring strength into you. And, you know, strength is such, it's, a, it's such a central part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It's bringing strength. And, of course, there's time, you know, in, in that, there's adjustments that makes. He's, it's kind of like going into a chiropractor. You get adjustments made. Some things get out of whack a little bit. And you got to get some things put back into line. Uh, and, and the Holy Spirit does that, too. But in all of that, Whatever he's doing, strengthening you is going to be a component of that. Bringing strength. In Ephesians 3, it says, uh, Paul prayed for the church. He said, I pray that out of the rich treasure of your glory, you would strengthen us with, and reinforce your people with mighty strength in their inner man. That's what he does. Out of the rich treasury of the glory. What happens when we get into his presence? When his glory is manifested, strength, we're strengthened. We receive help. We receive the, what, 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 the throne of grace. You come to the throne of grace. What do you receive? There's always a guarantee of mercy. Mercy and grace. People get so uh, blinded by the enemy when sometimes in a struggle you feel like, well, i got to get my act together before I can come to church or I've got to sort myself through. No, we don't do that. You don't, we can't get ourselves together without him. We come to him and he doesn't, you know, you feel like because of the effects of sin in our lives, sometimes when you may be dealing with sin or the lies of the enemy, you feel like if you come into his presence... He's going to look at you angry or tell you about, bring out the list of, well, you didn't do this, you didn't do that, you've ignored me for the past however long, and you haven't been listening to me here. You just, he doesn't do that. The blood of Jesus has taken care of that. In fact, it says in Colossians, I think, it, is it two, that Jesus took the list of, of grievances against us and nailed it to the cross. Hallelujah. That list has been nailed to the cross and he left it there. <laughs> Hallelujah. There's one verse that one version that says not even anything that God would chide us for. So when you come into his presence, he's not there being tisk tisk tisk. Mm, come on. He's that's not who he is. There's mercy. There's grace. Mercy for where you failed. And grace to help in good time for every need. Mercy where you failed and grace to help in good time for every You know how many times I've, I've grabbed hold of that verse? When the voice of condemnation tries to yell at you, tell you why you aren't qualified to even enter his presence. You know, no, when I come before the throne of grace... 
I'll receive mercy where I failed and grace to help in good time for every need. That is your story today. As you come here, that is what God is extending to you. Here in this place, he's extending mercy. He's extending grace, grace, the grace of God to make difficult things become easy, to turn situations around, to move mountains. Who was it that spoke grace to the mountain in the Old Testament? There was a prophet, and he said, I, uh, do you know who that, Pastor Debbie? I feel like you would know who that is. <laughs> no? He spoke grace to the mountain. We can speak grace to the mountains in our lives. What is that? Impossible things that look like they're never going to change. That's what a mountain is, something big. When you look at a mountain, you think, well, that, that's going to always be there, right? Have you ever looked at a mountain and thought, no, I wonder if that'll be there next week? One of the things about mountains are permanence. That mountain is there, and it's big. <laughs> and you can't see what's on the other side of it. But grace, <laughs> grace, the grace of God will cause things to change that you, you couldn't even imagine changing in your life. What is there in your life today that you say, man, it seems like it is not going anywhere God's grace is here for that situation. God's grace is here to change it and to move that mountain out of the way. Hallelujah. Let's turn to, um, to Thess 1 Thessalonians 5, chapter, uh, verse 16 and 18. And so this is the verse that I just want to look at today. says rejoice always rejoice always rejoice always rejoice always pray without ceasing give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you you know, when we talk, when, when, when in this week and Thanksgiving, we know that, you know, it's good. We're, we're, we're looking around us, recognizing the things that we're thankful for and the blessings of God in our lives. But it, it, I'm not, we all can probably acknowledge that there are things in all of our lives that we aren't necessarily thankful for. <laughs> Situations, problems. Some may be going through really hard times right now. Challenges, big challenges, circumstances that are very difficult and trying. And so when we look at Thanksgiving, I mean, what, what give thanks in all circumstances? Every circumstance, the most trying, the most difficult situation. He's commanding us here, there's two things that, that really stand out. Well, three, rejoice, pray, and give thanks. Rejoice always. Don't stop praying. And give thanks in every circumstance. What does giving thanks in every circumstance look like? Does it mean that you're thanking God for it? It doesn't say thank God for it. God, I thank you for this horrible thing that just happened today. No, that's not what it says. It says in it. Give thanks in it. Not for it. Not for the tragedy. Not for the difficulty. Give thanks in the difficulty. 
So that's, you know, what are all circumstances? When you're feeling overwhelmed, when you've, when, you, when you've been speaking the word, but the situation doesn't seem to be changing, when it seems like things aren't working, when things seem to be getting worse, give thanks in all circumstances. When everything seems to be going wrong, give thanks in that and rejoice always. That seems like a tall, does that seem like a tall order to anybody? It's not an easy thing to do. It's not a natural thing to do, but it is, a pos it is possible. And you can do it with the help of the Holy Spirit out of a decision. You're not rejoicing because you feel so happy. Because <laughs> uh, if, if that was the case, you wouldn't be rejoicing always because who feels happy all the time? And you're giving thanks in every situation. You know, it is imperative that we come to the realization that joy and thanksgiving are what brings us out of situations into victory. It's what brings us through. It's when you rejoice when you don't feel like rejoicing. It's when you choose to, 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 to implement thanksgiving, put it into practice when you feel like you don't have anything to be thankful for which we all do, because if you always, you know, you can always find somebody that's worse off, really. You can always find somebody that's better off, always find somebody that's worse off. Like there's, there, you know, we think we have it bad sometimes, and then you realize, whoa, I'm still walking. I'm still, I'm still, you know, have my presence of mind. I still have a house over, whatever it might be, there's always something that you can be thankful for. But I want to talk today about the function of thanksgiving. So joy and thanksgiving are like the bridge between your prayer request and the answer. They're the in-between. What do you do when you pray? You're asking God for something, and it hasn't happened yet. And it doesn't look like it's going to happen. You don't know in the natural how it could ever happen. What do you do when you pray? Well, first of all, we know we've got to pray in line with the word of God. Who, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, we know we have whatever it is that we asked of him. So where do we find the will of God? We find it in the word of God. And if the Bible says that it's been provided for us, then that is the will of God. And when we ask, we ask with confidence, knowing that the end result is not a maybe, it's not a, uh, it could happen, it could not, it's been granted. But what do you do when you don't see it and nothing has changed? What, how do you bridge from that place in prayer to the place of, of walking and seeing the answer to prayer? It's joy and thanksgiving. Joy and thanksgiving. Rejoice always. That's why he commands us to do it. Not just because he's like, wants to laugh at our a pathetic attempt to act happy in a miserable situation. No, it's because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And joy in the midst of trials is what brings you through to the other side. So the first thing the enemy will try to do is steal your joy. Get you to start complaining Sometimes we don't even consciously complain, but in our attitude and in our words, we're saying that God is not 
taking good care of us. That's what happens. That's really what we're saying when we're complaining. God, you're not taking good care of us. You're not fulfilling your part of the deal. Because if we really believe what he has said about who he is and what he has done for us, there is no room for complaining ever. He's our helper. He's with us. He'll, he, he's given us the victory. And so joy and thanksgiving, it's so crucial for us to understand and to constantly be reminded of. Constantly be reminded. I need it just as much as anybody. <laughs> when something starts coming at me, I get it all in my head. I need to be reminded. I need to pull out, and I usually pull out my pastor, Pastor Mark Hankins, pull out his stuff on joy, and it shakes me out of that, reminds me that, I, <laughs> that, that the vital necessity of me rejoicing in the face of whatever the enemy is trying to do in our lives. And so there's a part, there's two things that I want to look at regarding Thanksgiving. The first, how do you rejoice in every circumstance? Number one, there's a part of that that involves remembering. Remembering. You could even call this your testimony. How do we overcome? By the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. When you remember your testimony, your experience of what God has done for you up until this point, it does something for you. That's why I love, you know, even I asked my dad, come up, tell us. Tell us about how you got the victory over pain by shouting in the midst of the trial. Tell, let's remember how you brought us through with different, different situations that looked so bad, and yet God sustained us, and he helped us, and he carried us through. You remember. Memories are such a powerful factor in our lives. They produce strong emotions, and they also become reference points for our expe expectation of the future. So they affect our future through our expectation that's connected to those memories. When we dwell in the wrong kind of memories, they become a tool to keep us from making progress in our lives. My pastor always says you can't catch the net. He talks about football. You won't ever catch the next ball if you're thinking about the ball you just missed. That's the wrong kind of memory. If all you can think about is how I just, you know, basketball, I just shot the hoop and I keep, you know, it keeps bouncing off the rim. I can't seem to get in the net. If you keep thinking about that, you're not going to make the next one. In football, you're not going to catch the next pass if you keep thinking about, dang, I can't believe I dropped that last pass. It's going to keep you from catching the next one. So there's memories we've got to put out. Got to forget what lies behind and press on toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God. But there are good memories that we're actually commanded to remember. He commanded the people of Israel in Deuteronomy. Remember, there are, he told them multiple times. When I was looking up verses on remembering, there were so many times in Deuteronomy where he kept telling them, remember that I brought you out of Egypt. Remember what I did for you. Remember. Why? Because they were in challenging situations. They hadn't yet gotten to the promised land. There were a lot of things happening that didn't look good. There were things that would try to make them feel discouraged. And he kept telling them, remember. Remember. Deuteronomy 15, 15, he said, remember you were a slave in the land of Egypt and that the Lord your God redeemed you. He said that over and over again throughout that book. Remember, 
Remember where you used to be. Remember where I brought you to. Remember how you were before me. Remember what I've done in your life. Remember. Remember. Don't forget that. Don't forget the miracles he's done in the past. Don't forget the provision that came just in time when you thought it was over. Don't forget when you thought you were at the end of your rope and it was no, you didn't know what to do when, when help came, when hope came, when, 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 the, when he was revealed to you. Don't forget it. Remember. So in your, you're in another circumstance that looks bad and the enemy always will tell you, you're not going to make it this time. He'll always say that. You're not going to make it this time. It's not going to work this time. Your prayers aren't going to work this time. That's when you need to start. Your first point in Thanksgiving is saying, no, I remember. I remember how he brought me through this. I remember how he healed me here. I remember how he answered my prayer. I remember how he delivered me from depression. I remember how he changed my life. I remember. I remember. Hallelujah. I quoted this at the, and during worship. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and forget not his benefits. So you're remembering what he's done. He delivered me out of the pit of destruction. He forgave me. He healed me. <laughs> In Nehemiah 9.17, it says, uh, they refused to obey and they were not mindful of the wonders that you did among them concerning the people of Israel. God did wonders among them and yet in their disobedience, forgetting those things, they refused to obey and they did not keep it in front of them. We've got to keep it in front of us. As a church, what has God done for us? How he brought us a building when there was nothing on the market. How he paid a year's rent for us when we didn't have the money to pay the rent. How he filled, has he added to us and increased us. How he's supplied our needs. How he's moved among us. How he sent us generals in the body of Christ to speak things and release things over us. we got to remember. That's why we take time, so many services. We play that recap video with the prophetic words spoken. We're remembering. We're remembering what was spoken, and that links us to what's yet to come. It links us to what's to come. Psalm 78, 4 says, we will not hide them from our children, telling the generation to come the praises of the Lord, his strength, his wonderful works that he's done, that the generation, in verse 6, the generation to come might know them, the children who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children, that they may set their hope in God and forget not the works of God. We've got to keep, there's memorials that even in the Old Testament, we were talking about that, right? How they would make memorials of different times where they would encounter God. They would put rocks there or they would put something there to remind them, this is what God did for me in this place. Maybe you need to get some memorials in your house to remind yourself in the midst of whatever situation you're in. We anchor into what part of our remembrance, of course, is anchoring into what the word has said about what he's done. We remember what he's provided for us in Jesus. We remember Isaiah 53. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. 
Hallelujah. We remember the chastisement of my peace was upon him. By his stripes I'm healed. We remember the power of the blood. We take account of that. We remember there's power in the blood. And it's greater than what I'm facing. We remember that if God is for me, who can be against me? He is my helper. I'm going to remember that in the midst of the trial, in the dark parts, places of my life. There's a song that says, he'll do it again. He'll do it again. He'll do it again. Just take a look at where you are now and where you have been. Hasn't he always come through for you? He's the same God as then. Don't you know God does not change? You may not know how. You may not know when. But he'll do it again. He'll do it again. I've anchored into that. Yes, I remember your faithfulness. I remember. I remember how you met me in the midnight hour. I remember how you've heard my cry. I remember how you delivered us out of all the threats of the enemy. I remember how your presence met me. You lifted the yoke of burden off of me. How your anointing set me free. I remember how your love encountered me. I remember. Will you remember today? Will you remember the goodness of God in your life. All my life, you've been faithful. You've been so good. We sing that song. It's remembering. We're remembering. And so this is all taking place. This is what, one of the things that you do when you're in the circumstances is how you start to give thanks. Start to give thanks for what he did in the past. Start to give thanks for, God, you brought me through. And just like you did, that song, just like Daniel, just like Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, he'll bring you through. Hallelujah. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Our prayer is not complete until we're thanking God. The petitions must be made with thanksgiving. So practicing that. You know, it takes practice. You got to start to, sometimes, you know, even just to open your mouth and start to say things out loud. But thanksgiving, it's not enough just to feel it in your heart. Part of being thankful is the expression. If I'm thankful... For something that you did for me, and I just keep it in here, and I never say thank you for doing that. It's not really being thankful, is it? The thankfulness is when I say thank you. <laughs> you know, Jesus, when he killed the ten lepers and only one came back. You could say, well, the other nine were probably very thankful, but only one came and expressed it. It's the expression of thanksgiving. So it's the, the, the vocalization of it. We must vocalize our thanksgiving to God. That's where the power is. When you vocalize it out loud, out of your mouth, thank you, God. Thank you for what you've done for me. And sometimes 
Yeah, maybe it's, it's hard to get started. But like I said before, when you get into that river of the Holy Ghost, he'll start to help you. He'll start to give you the words. He'll start to bring your memories. He'll start to stir up that gratitude in your heart. He'll start to, to, to assist you in that. And that's when the Thanksgiving becomes good. Hallelujah. James 1, 2 says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So we actually get another insight to that space between the prayer and the answer, there's a whole bunch of stuff that's taking place in here. Your patience, the exercise of your patience is doing a work inside of you that brings you into a further maturity, a further completion, a further wholeness in God. So we don't like that space. We want the prayer and the answer, bam. <laughs> we don't want space in between. But there is an important work that takes place in that space. When nothing has changed around you, when things still look bad, when things are dark, that space where you exercise joy, where you exercise thanksgiving, where you exercise patience and endurance, it's doing something in you that works. The glory of God causes you to be to a place, it'll, it'll bring you to a place where you're perfect and complete. Perfect means mature. Mature. You'll be mature in God. It grows you up. You won't be tossed to and fro. You won't be a child just thrown this way and that. You'll become grown in him, solid in him, a mature believer who can stand the tests of time, who won't just throw in the towel here, that, 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 that emanate the Christ-likeness. Hallelujah. That's part of what takes place between prayer and answer, that space we don't like, where our, where our faith is facing contradictions. What we're saying doesn't seem to be true. What we believe, there's things to contradict what we believe, even though it's based on the word of God. What God has said about us doesn't seem true, because you can run down the list. Another translation actually says, don't try to get out of your problems prematurely. Well, that's different. What I think it's saying, basically, is don't try to figure your own way out, but let God make the way out. Let God do it. Don't try to make it happen with your own strength and your own trying to finish. Let, go to him. <laughs> go to him and receive his way. His way is always better. In the times of great adversity and difficulty, something is happening in our heart and our character. What is God's way out? It, it, it's going to involve joy, and it's going to involve thanksgiving and patience. Joy, it's like a triplet. Triplet. Joy, patience, thanksgiving. The triplet, triplets that lead you from your prayer request to your answer. It's not easy to count it joy. It's not easy. He has to tell us that because it's not an easy thing to do. It is difficult. It has to be done on purpose, but with the help of the Holy Spirit, it can be done when we choose to be obedient to his word and step out on his word. 
It will be something that doesn't naturally make you feel joyful, but it's a decision that you make. I'm going to count this joy. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to rejoice. Brother Hagen tells the story of, uh, of a time where he went through. Kenneth Hagen tells the story of the time where he went through. Of course, he's no longer alive, but he told the story of when he went through a situation and the enemy was telling him, you're not going to make it through this time. It's not going to work this time. And I think, I don't know, I think, was it symptoms? It was symptoms. And part of the symptoms, his face was paralyzed, so he couldn't even sleep. And so he had like, I think, one, you know, when one of the eyes, you know, you couldn't, you're, I can't even close your eyes. And, and he's sitting there, and the enemy's telling him, you're not going to make it this time. And, it, and you're tempted to get frustrated. You're tempted to get discouraged. And he got up, and he, and he said, no, I'm going to rejoice. So he just started where he could. Sometimes you got to start. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, 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 I rejoice. Ha, 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 ha. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to rejoice. I rejoice. I count this joy. <laughs> Said he did it for about 45 minutes. He realized he'd been doing it for about 45 minutes. And I actually forgot the end of the story. <laughs> I know that it left. I don't remember how it left. <laughs> I realized as I was heading there, like, oh, I don't know where this is going to land. <laughs> but I know he rejoiced. <laughs> He rejoiced and he got delivered. <laughs> Did he get up and go down for breakfast? There you go. <laughs> he got healed, but he chose to rejoice. Well, no, this was a different one where his face was paralyzed years later. But um, praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We rejoice in these circumstances. And so then what you do as you do that, as you remember, then you start looking out to the future. And instead of picturing all the things that the enemy is trying to tell you, this is how it's going to end. He tries to give you imaginations, casting down thoughts and imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself. So there's imaginations that are coming at you where you are imagining worst case scenario. You're imagining failure. You have the opportunity to imagine failure and worst case scenario in bad situations. And what we are called to do is cast that down, cast it down. And we begin to take the, 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 the anchor of what he has done in the past and we let it paint a picture according to the word of what the future outcome is going to be. We let it paint a picture of our healing. We let it paint a picture of our deliverance. We let it paint a picture of victory. And then we start to thank him with that picture in mind. So in other words, you're thanking him for the answer before you've ever even seen it. You're seeing it by faith. You're imagining the right things based on the word of God and the promises of God. And then you can rejoice on that before you've ever even experienced it. That's where it gets really powerful. When you start to rejoice for the answer as if it's already there, even though it might not be there yet, you rejoice as if you've had it because you see it on the inside of you. And you know it belongs to you. It has nothing to do with the circumstances, but it's all about the word of God that will not fail. And I'm believing and standing on that word. Hallelujah. Practice. We need to practice being as excited. 
So maybe we'll do that as we close. Practice being as excited about a situation, whatever. We all have requests, right? We have things that we're believing God for. Practice being as excited about the answer as you would be if it had already happened. Brother Hagen would always tell us, how would you act if you knew that you had the answer right now? <laughs> Hallelujah! 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 Is that necessary? <laughs> what do you think somebody would do today if they got, if, if there was a check handed to them that just solved every financial worry and every situation and then some, uh, uh, and, and it was handed to you right now? What do people do when they win the clearing house? We've got something better than a clearing house. We've got the word of God. We've got the promises of God, the power of God. Hallelujah! 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 You got to remind yourself of that sometimes. Sometimes we rejoice more at the word of a man. If somebody came up and said, I'm going to do this for you, or I'm going to buy you a brand new car, you go to the lot and pick it out. We, re we don't have it yet, but we react more at the word of the man than we do at the word of God. Hallelujah. What he has spoken to you. That was good practice. We have to practice being as excited. That's what faith is. It doesn't wait for to see it with your eyes. Practice being as excited as you would be if it was there right now. If you got the doctor's report. If you saw the change. If whatever it is, it takes practice. It takes intentionality. It takes a decision. You've got, it's not going to happen naturally. If you just go with the flow, you're never going to do that. But praise God. We thank God for the victory. Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You don't have to wonder if you're not feeling strong. Why am I not feeling strong? Well, <laughs> you've let the enemy steal your joy, most likely, because joy brings strength. How do I get it back? Well, <laughs> you step out, hallelujah, the word of God. 
says that the Holy Spirit is the oil of joy. And he's on the inside of you. So if you'll get into his stream and start to act on what he, who he is in you, it'll kick in. It'll be stirred up. You activate it on purpose. You stir up the gift on purpose. Hallelujah. Joy. Strength. Joy. I've got joy. I've got the joy of the Holy Ghost. Joy of the Lord. It's joy unspeakable and full of glory. It's the joy. With joy we draw from the wells of salvation. No wonder the enemy wants to steal your joy. You draw from that well with joy. It's your bucket to pull up whatever you need that is a part of your salvation. Do I have anybody in here today who says, I'm going to make a decision to put into practice. I am going to rejoice in all circumstances. Rejoice. Give thanks in every circumstance. Rejoice always. Rejoice in the Lord. And again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the God of your salvation. Rejoice for the victory has been won. Rejoice for he is with you. Rejoice. Hallelujah. Hey, this is Pastor Joe. And before you go, I want to pray with you to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. This is your opportunity to be 100% sure that heaven will be your eternal home. It's very simple. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, and 10 that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So if you mean business with God, he means business with you. I want you to pray this very simple but powerful prayer and mean it with all your heart. Repeat this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. I believe that you were crucified and God raised you from the dead. I believe that you are the Son of God. I repent of all my sin and I ask for your forgiveness. I give you my life. Do something with it. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to the family of God. The Bible says all the angels in heaven are rejoicing because you just prayed that prayer. The next step is to find a good, strong, local church. If you live anywhere near Lancaster, Pennsylvania, we invite you to join us at Life in Christ every Sunday at 10 a.m. We have some of the best people on planet Earth. We love you, God bless you, and have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to the Life in Christ Church podcast. Help us to continue to share the message of faith with those all over the world. Visit licchurch.com forward slash give to partner with us today.